first beach episode, and yeah. I was just thinking we should uh, not not be too hard on ourselves if we just kind of waste a lot of time going down rabbit trails because this is a lot to cover, which is how I know we won't cover it all, and we're just gonna yeah. you know be be more relaxed about it. Yeah, we both. I think we both figured out this is better than I remember. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think it has to do with the fact that when I was younger, I thought I got it. And I thought it was simple and straightforward. Mm-hmm. But when I go back to it now, it's like, oh, man, there's so much more going on here. And I like how it kind of like Vash is deceptively Mary Sue until the until the longer it goes on and you figure out. He's incredibly naive, and it's only, like, near the very end where he kind of accepts, all right, I don't have this figured out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I Even though he's that, naive, like, he still inspires people. Yeah. But, but for his own sake, like, he starts to just go insane. Like, how many times does he hit rock bottom in, like, that last third? And then yeah. he has to struggle back up because it's just, it's not a good system what he's got worked out for himself. But man, and, it is so good. Yeah, uh, this, I think this is in that perfect. Uh, for, the, for those who, for those who <clears throat> don't know, we, we watched Trigun. Oh, God, we for, didn't even say that, episode. did we? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so th- this is a, this is what we're calling a beach episode where we just kind of cover the entirety <clears throat> oh boy, you're and gonna have to it, take this one. Since it, since it's a since it's a beach episode, it's gonna be a lot more relaxed. We're definitely gonna hit the normal uh the belt pillars, but we're gonna we're gonna gush over it, but we're also gonna dig into it, but not really, like he said earlier, beat ourselves up uh within a, a certain uh time constraint. So this is this is gonna be a long one. So uh Well so and also this, the reason I called it a the reason I wanted to call it a beach episode was just because it's like this isn't tied to any of the other episodes of this season because we're talking mm-hmm. about something totally different and we're talking about something from the past so it's kind of mm-hmm. like you know recap you could say mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it's a way for us to have like an episode here and there where we watch an entire show instead of trying to do that weekly which we tried and it didn't it wasn't very sustainable right. <clears throat> That was me having to go all clockwork orange and lock myself in a room with the <laughs> eyelids open like yeah. every single week. <laughs> be like, I got to get it all. I got to get through all of it. <laughs> but this way, it's just like eh, just kind of watching it at a at a very breezy pace, <clears throat> which I think fits this show perfectly. Mm-hmm. Which so what I was going to say earlier, this came out in 2000. And Gosh. I think it hits the perfect balance of like <clears throat> the 90s the 90s ending and going into kind of uh modern anime mm-hmm. uh aesthetically and just like it feels like like it has the matured version of 90s anime i guess in terms of the message and the execution yeah. Like, uh, we talk about, uh, animation and, like, budgeting. <clears throat> this feels very balanced. 
Like the parts, yeah. the parts where they're saving money are deliberately comedic, or it's like not necessary to keep things looking amazing. But then when things need to go full Akira, it comfortably does it without it looking like, oh, these are this is getting way more frames of animation here. This suddenly got way more detailed, which I never am against. That always makes me kind of excited. But yeah, and it also it also <coughs> uses the the Western format to like save money as well, like with the panels, like just the close ups on the faces moving past, um, which was which was really I I, I love it. What was that? What were you describing? Like, uh, like when it's when it's just showing a close up of the face, you know, you're not seeing the mouth moving or anything like oh, that. Oh. But they are talking, <laughs> and it's just panning over their face. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's a Western thing. <clears throat> yeah, but it's totally a a money saving tactic as well. Right. It's kind of like uh, they deliberately disobeyed that in Kill a Kill. With, oh yeah. Um, I can't. I can't. Never remember this guy's name, but it was the hacker guy, mm-hmm. where you know he has his face covered, and you assume, mm-hmm. oh, this is the character that saves money anytime he's on screen, mm-hmm. which you know those are sprinkled around. All throughout Naruto, like lots of people have their mouths covered. Oh yeah. <clears throat> but this guy, <laughs> his little the little the little uh, collar covering his face opens and closes, and it opens when he talks, then closes back. And it's like, no, this guy is particularly expensive to animate when he's on screen. <laughs> but yeah, this like it's all very smart, and you don't notice it. It just feels like it's kind of. It solves it, it, like it serves a purpose other than ser- than saving money, so it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like oh that's just there to save money. It's yeah. very and well it's done. Very and it's very <clears throat> consistent. Yeah. Uh, like there's not. It doesn't feel like there's much of a difference episode to episode with the way things look. At least right. if there was, I never noticed it. Like mm-hmm. uh, even with Gurren Lagann and like like plenty of shows like. Anything that has to have a weekly release schedule like Naruto or Dragon Ball, they end up mm-hmm. looking slightly different episode to episode just because there's different people working on it. I didn't notice that at any point in Trigun. Like, that gun is always on model. Like, mm-hmm. people's uh, heights and everything always seem to be exactly where they're supposed to be. Unless if, you know, they're <laughs> exaggerating something yeah. for comedic effect. Right. And and even those are consistent. Mm-hmm. Like, Vash has his big giant anime head, but it's always the same giant anime head. Yeah. And he is <clears throat> just towering. He and yeah. Billy. <laughs> and uh, I found out... So, the main inspiration... Okay. There were a lot of people when... Uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Blaze Blue. When Blaze Blue came out and they showed Ragna, people were saying that this was a ripoff of Dante from Devil May Cry. And he was like, <laughs> the guy quickly, Daisuke Ishiwatari, was like, no, it's a ripoff of Trigun. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, and also Dante's definitely <laughs> a ripoff of Vash the Stampede. So when. In the previous times, when I've talked about Dante and Virgil, I'm also talking about Vash and Knives, because that is basically the the direct inspiration. 
<clears throat> I mean, you've got these half human, half something else. Plants. Yeah, but it's not plant as in like, you know, a tree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's plant as in like something that's used to like provide infinite power mm-hmm. in like a power plant. I but forgot like, how mystical that <clears throat> stuff got. See, I didn't. I, I remember thinking, because uh, I remember my original like whole thing going into the show was like, ooh, uh, Western in space. And that was like as far as I was ready to speculate. And mm-hmm. then as soon as things got spec- got uh, mystical, they didn't s- freaking stop. And I want to I say probably around the introduction of uh, Legato Blue Summers, I was mm-hmm. like, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is gonna, this is gonna stay out there. Like everything with like the little illusion of him, like grabbing that girl's head. And then he like looks at him and it just like, didn't happen. I'm like, Oh boy. Oh, this yeah. is about to be a ride. <clears throat> yeah. Dude. Also, uh, he, this show's music is fantastic. I don't remember it being this, uh, varied. Oh my gosh, the the friggin' slide, like the, yeah. the guitar slide. Uh, I mean, that's mm. perfect, and that's pretty oh, pervasive yeah. throughout, but like, Blue Summer's theme is that like, r- really crunchy electronic music, mm-hmm. totally stands out from the rest of it, which is like, you know, basically all acoustic. Right. Until it isn't. And, uh... <clears throat> yeah this it, it, sorry go it, ahead there's well there's so ma- there's so many things that it's like i didn't remember it being like this when was like, the last I time just, you watched it uh, all the way through i think that it was like the last time that i watched it from beginning to end was when we watched it like way oh back gotcha so it's yeah, so, been a while yeah my memory was super foggy on it i watched i rewatched the first episode like maybe a couple years back but i didn't i don't think i got the chance to watch anything after that yeah so uh, i think i watched it again sometime mm-hmm. i want to say i was showing it to my sister so I watched okay. it then. <clears throat> I was probably around 2014. So it, mm-hmm. it was fresher than that. But yeah. uh, I don't. Okay. So so the stuff I don't remember was. Oh man, we'll definitely get into this. But the kind of parallel journeys of Wolfwood and Vash. Yeah. And uh, it's funny. You almost think. Okay, so first time I watch it, you know, you see Vash as a sort of Mary Sue, and it's because he's, like, superhuman. Mm-hmm. By the way, full spoilers for Trigun. Uh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, should say. <laughs> so, and man, man, I, I was thinking this the other day. I was like, I think Trigun is one of the few shows that I could just across the board recommend to anyone. Mm-hmm. Because it's very... What am I trying to say? It, it's, it's very tame. It's it's not gratuitous in the violence at all. Yeah, uh, but like it doesn't. You, it doesn't feel like it holds back. Yeah, on stuff. exactly. Like, but, 
Like, you know when a bad thing happens. Like, it's very explicit that a bad thing happens, and you know exactly what that bad thing is. Yeah, and those reaction shots do a lot of work. Yeah, but there's... Looking at people who are really looking at what just happened. Yeah. But it doesn't, like... It's It's not not childish. It it doesn't feel like it's made for kids, per se. Right. But the, uh, it's not like the, the episode that we were talking, uh, uh, what was, it was the beginning of the end for Fire Force season two, but the, um, like when that kid got like his, his chunks blown blown off. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that seemed completely tone deaf. (laughs) Yeah. So there's none of that in Trigon. Yeah. Even, uh, you know, the part where. Like the flashback where Vash gets his arm blown off. Mm-hmm. The way it's framed is like, oh my god, he got his arm blown off. But it's not like gory or anything. Right. <clears throat> uh, and then, you know, there's also the the fact that Vash is wearing his red coat <laughs> so that they don't see him bleeding. <laughs> and the fact that uh, his coat is straight up the same color as the blood in this show. Right. Which, yeah. we can get to that. But... There's a, it's, it's mature. It doesn't feel like it's like, look, it's, it doesn't, okay. It doesn't feel like it's aiming down Mm -hmm. to anyone. Like, it feels like it's mature and it's assuming that you're going to be that mature. So like, I could like say that this is 99% family friendly. The only stuff that wouldn't be family friendly is the subject matter of like, you know, lots of people getting killed in some episodes. Yeah. But it's never mean spirited. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think it's a good message. Yeah. Uh, but like, it, it's easy to enjoy. Like as an adult, like there's there's enough going on here. It's not like you know too plotting. It's not pandering or anything, and it doesn't talk down to you. Like, God, there's a lot that there's so much more show than there is tell. Like, anytime there's show, it's, it's almost, like, vague. I mean, I mean, anytime there's tell, it's almost vague. Like, yeah. the way someone has reacted to something, they're not letting on exactly what their feelings are in the situation. And I'm like, oh, man, this is so well written. Like, yeah. some of Wolfwood's reactions to stuff, it's like, you're getting, you hear what he says literally, but the way his tone goes along with it, it's like, I don't think he means it that way. Yeah. There, <clears throat> there's so much depth that I that I did not remember at yeah. all. And I, because, like, well, I, the last time I watched it was, what, 2009? 2007? Yeah, probably around 2009. Gosh. That sounds about right. That was 11 years ago. Yeah. I also think it's funny how we more or less went from Devil May Cry, which is strong, strongly influenced by this, to mm-hmm. Trigon. That was the order of the animes we watched. Wasn't this the second one we watched? I think it was. Yeah, because yeah. they were both on Netflix at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would also say that this being in the year 2000, it hits that sweet spot in voice acting. Mm-hmm. Because this was before anime voice actors had kind of become the the uh you know kind of B grade celebrities they are now. Mm-hmm. Like and it was uh, friggin' Steve Bloom was only in like one episode that I could pick <laughs> out. 
Yeah, and also no one knew who Steve Bloom was. Whereas mm-hmm. now people like can recognize him by his face, let yep. alone his voice. But like this was like um and and it was late enough to where generally everyone does a good job. Like you weren't scrounging to find you know, okay, well, this person can do this person. It's just like, you know, someone's mom is coming in to help, which is right. how it feels in a lot of, like, 80s and 90s era dubs. Yeah, like, there's still <laughs> some cheese in there, but most of the people do a really good job. Yeah, and uh, I think what most people would be kind of tempted to say is a weak point mm-hmm. ends up being charming. Like, mm-hmm. as far as far as like the voice acting voice itself and kind of the delivery, you could say Millie is a weak is a weak point, just because right. she kind of stays in this high register, which you can tell is not the register that that actress talks at normally. Mm-hmm. So she has a limited range, but it fits Millie, like it fits her personality that she would stay in that register. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, it works. <clears throat> and also yeah, the, sorry go ahead the, 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 millie is one of the most charming characters yeah so. uh i think she kind of uh helps make meryl charming early on because early on meryl is the character who's just here to complain about everything mm-hmm. which uh that can get very annoying there's some shows some shows that have that character and they never they never do anything to help that go easy they never balance it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know this isn't an anime or a show, but Bayonetta 2 has a very annoying sidekick that doesn't ever get balanced out until near the end of the game. And it's like, can this kid just shut up? For the love of God, just mm. shut up. Uh, and Trigon doesn't have that problem. Yeah. Like, Marilyn gets to be the one that's mad about everything. Because Millie, it, nothing bothers her. But you also see that Millie is rubbing off on Meryl. Yeah, uh, and you also see that uh, Vash is rubbing mm-hmm. off on Meryl. And uh, kind of growing on her. But God, does this show take its time for everything. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing, <clears throat> nothing feels like it's phoned in. As mm-hmm. far as like... I say this a lot, but this is totally earned. Yeah. I I think one of my favorite lines of the entire show is, he wouldn't keep a good woman like me waiting. Just because it's like, she's finally, like, realized, or she's finally accepted the fact that, like, the way that she feels about Vash, and, like, she's ready for what's coming, like... I I just love that. That's like one of my favorite. And it's one of the closing lines. In fact, I don't yeah. think there's a line <laughs> after that. Which is, uh, and, and I've learned there's some big differences between this and the manga. But I've learned yes. that the show ends much sooner. But uh, I was actually curious about this the other day and was looking it up. And... One, there's, yeah, there's, like, a whole continuation that happened after the cancellation of the first uh, pr- er, production company. It, 
pretty much the, at the time their version of um Shonen Jump, <laughs> but it was you know it's not it went out of business, so they had to transfer to a different one in it. Yeah, there's like a, a whole name. rights dispute or something. It was called yeah. Trigun, and then it had to get changed to Trigun Maximum, which I'm like, well, good on you. It just sounds like a sequel. Yeah. If you can get so, away with that, go for it. But apparently it's a lot darker. Um, and the other big change that I saw was, like, in the manga, it from everything that I was seeing, it didn't look like Millie and Meryl, like, kept up with Vash after, like, after they classified him as a you know, a human natural disaster. Oh, okay. I didn't know about that part. <clears throat> I, from, from, I might be wrong, but from everything that I was seeing, it was like, they didn't really follow him after there. So it's like, they, they were just kept in the story for the anime. Well, I would say in the anime, it is kind of strange that they just keep palling around. Cause at that point they don't have much of an excuse Except for the fact that, like, there's some tying feelings. Yes. Well, like, you know, <laughs> the way that things are kind of structured and presented, you don't question it. Mm-hmm. When you look into, like, the whole reason they were there originally, which can be, you know, the fallback Sundere reason for Meryl to keep following Vash around. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of not there anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I saw... There was two differences from the manga that I saw, and it was one that Knives gets like a complete redemption, like there's Ooh. nothing left on the table. He like uh even has his mind changed. Dang. And he becomes a plant. For the sake of like helping a town. Oh, wow. And uh, that uh, uh, Wolfwood's death is done completely different. I I also read that. I didn't read much into it because I think that one day I would like to read the manga, but I don't know if I'll ever get around to it. I think I might get around to it, but it would only be for the sake of seeing what was different. Just because Mm -hmm. the anime has like... (laughs) I think the anime is in my top five, and it probably should be in the top five. Like, just, a, like, general best anime ever created. Trigon yeah. needs to be in the top five. It's, it, everything is done, like, to a level of quality that just, I feel like is so hard to come across. Mm-hmm. Like, it takes you seriously without being... What am I trying to say? Well, it's not like you said it a little bit earlier, but it's not talking down to you. Yeah, but it's also not trying to like show off how adult it is. It isn't doing that right. at all. Yeah, it and exists it, in its own space. It's also funny, uh, despite all the moralizing. It it mm-hmm. doesn't seem to. It doesn't seem to talk down to anyone for their moral decisions either. It's like the show does. Some of the characters might. But, yeah. like, the show doesn't seem to. Like, right. it it kind of just presents, in particular, the difference between Wolfwood and Vash is they're both kind of trying something different. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, I love Wolfwood. I had forgotten how much I loved Wolfwood. I remember uh, the first time we watched it, I thought that his... His kind of character arc felt incomplete. I don't know how I got that before. <laughs> because, man, is that not the case at all. Like, his whole journey is totally wrapped up. And it is incredibly satisfying. Oh, one detail that is left out in the anime versus the manga. And maybe it's not as important. Maybe they left mm -hmm. it out because they felt like they didn't need it. But Wolfwood is not a part of a Christian church in the manga. But he dies in a Christian church at the end. Yeah, I think He's a part of some cult called the Eye of Michael which is an offshoot. It's like inspired by Christianity, but it's like, okay, we don't like this stuff. We're just going to go with this stuff. Hmm. And it's like, they make basically like warrior priests like him to go, you know, spread the message, but uh, somewhat forcefully. And, you know, you see him face his old master and whatever. And it's like this guy, um, this Dana love and peace guy. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, but, uh, that, that that actually brings me to one of my, I, I guess, battle cries, but it, oh. it, pro it is my favorite, uh, like, my favorite line and the one that I remember the most. Okay, what is that? <laughs> the, the, hey man, that thing's really heavy. Well, of course it is, because it's so full of mercy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also, oh man, okay, so uh, Trigun also, because everything is so respectful of you, the viewer, it's naturally just like it, it, it's up to its eyeballs and symbolism. Like, oh my gosh, this, this is so I, crammed. This, I was full. saving that for later. <laughs> I've got <laughs> some stuff I want to get into. Maybe we shouldn't get into that yet. Then let's put a pin in that, <laughs> and we'll talk about like pop offs and and uh, the pillars and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. My pop off, and I know this is going to sound superficial because it literally is. But was the way bullets destroyed walls in the opening scene. I was like, that looks really sick. Like, it was gritty, but it was, like, satisfying. Mm -hmm. Like, that building that just gets leveled by the hail yeah. of bullets that gets thrown at it. And then the kind of shock and surprise that this character and all of the, the posters that is, you know, shown as stoic and, you know, kind of standing tall and immovable. Mm -hmm. Is a total goofus. <laughs> like in the first episode, Vash is not taken seriously for one second. Uh, not at all. Like <laughs> it, it's amazing how gradually it happens, but he is the comic relief for his own show for at least the first six episodes. It's up until yeah. maybe not six. It's up until he fights the uh, the the Nebraska family was what what they were called. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's an it's until that episode where it's like, how did he stop my fist with only six bullets? And he's like, five bullets. Or he's like, only five bullets. And then he shows it. Still got one left. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, oh. Uh, but uh, the, I think that my pop off was when he was tumbling down the hill, and then shot Meryl and uh Millie free. Oh yeah. 
I think that that was where I was like, oh, and I, that was where all like the memories were flooding back. And I was like, yeah, this 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 is this is good. I'm I'm sticking around. I mean, not that I wasn't going to stick around, but you know, what right. I, mean. I remember uh, I was kind of. It's funny how my reaction to uh, Millie and Meryl changed because the first time we watched this. I was like, okay, who are these characters? What are they up to? Because you're kind of introduced with them. Like, it starts with them. Right. And then you're introduced to Vash, and it's like, oh, that's not what I was expecting. I don't know what I'm getting into. But, like, Millie and Meryl turn from what are definitely supposed to be, like, the the stick-in-the-mud characters Mm -hmm. to, oh, they're the stand-ins for the audience. (laughs) They're the ones (laughs) we're actually supposed to relate to. And it does yeah. it, like, uh, just with the flip of a coin, right, in the first episode. Like, Vash is going to be this out-there, goofy character that we're gonna... <laughs> like, like, Millie and Meryl turn from the stick in the mud to the straight men. Very immediately. <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that was gonna happen. But then watching it on the second viewing, mm-hmm. I'm, like, unironically excited for them to show up. Like yeah. every episode, they don't. They have a few moments where they like you know, uh, get to participate in the action scenes, which are mm-hmm. all great. But it's more them just kind of being there to observe what's going on, because then you kind of remember, oh yeah, I am observing this. Yeah, and I wonder if that's supposed to be more like. If that's supposed to get the point across without being too obvious, that you're supposed to see uh, Wolfwood and Vash as kind of these confused and struggling heroes instead of, you know, self-insert into them. Because, you know, most shonen anime, you're just supposed to self-insert into the main male character and it's a power fantasy. But there's some Akira moments which make you kind of unable to relate to Vash a couple times. Mm-hmm. And then Wolfwood just feels like he acts completely out of character for like him being a priest in a number of junctures that are just like, yeah. Oh, okay. What's going on there? So it, it turns from, you know, uh, or not, it's not like it ever acts like you're supposed to just see these as examples. Right. Which is what you're thinking with the genre. But it goes from these are kind of unreachably competent characters to these are extremely flawed characters and they're almost uh, cautionary tales. Well, I'd say with Wolfwood, he's definitely a cautionary tale. And then with Vash, because he doesn't, you know, because it doesn't get him killed, he can kind of be like, yeah, he took that to an extreme that was unsustainable even for him. Right. <clears throat> which I'm t- talking vague stuff. I'm I'm not <laughs> being clear because I want to kind of save it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll we'll, we'll save that discussion. But should I, we get into the pillars? What, what, what was your What was your battle cry? Uh, it comes a little late, so I don't know okay. if I should use it quite so, yet. Okay, we we can save it. We can save it. Also, um, I, I I need to ask this. This is important. Did you watch the episode previews after the credits? I didn't. You missed 99% of the battle cries. They are they are all it's all like 
They're all basically journal entries from Vash. Dang it. <laughs> from what happens in the next episode. Yeah. They're, uh, I mean, that was how I was able to remember Wolfwood's name eternally. Was because before the episode they introduce him, you get Vash's uh, journal entry on Wolfwood. Like, looking back on it. Hmm. And it's like, oh, man. It's nice to see, like what he decided he thought of him before going into his introduction. <clears throat> oh, man, now I wish I, I should have clarified that. But, I mean, we watched them when we watched them the first time. Yeah, because Netflix didn't have the uh, the skip to next episode thing. Yeah. <laughs> or, well, it had the autoplay, but it was only after the credits finished. It also had a little thing where you could skip ahead a few seconds. Mm-hmm. So we used that to get through the credits, which sometimes I didn't do that because this has probably my favorite <laughs> credit song ever. Really? Yes. I so, don't really have like much of a preference towards it. I, I don't love, know what it is. I love because the I, intro. I, I don't know the... Well, I, lo I love the intro. Okay. Anyone who has ever watched... Or, well... Anyone who watched the kind of early days of the Let's Plays I did with Jan, mm -hmm. there's multiple musical cues from the intro of uh, Trigun. But the ending, I don't know what it, what the genre is or even what all the instruments are, but the whole soundscape and the, like the, uh, the vocals, mm -hmm. th there's nothing like it that I've ever heard. And I just love every second of it. Hmm. <clears throat> which I kind of want to have that be the, the closing song on this episode. I'm probably going to slap that one on there just because I think the, uh, the intro song, mm -hmm. even, okay. Even though you're not going to understand the lyrics unless you understand Japanese for the ending, I think right. the intro song almost feels like it's missing lyrics. It has like, you know, the, the O's at the end. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I see the, the intro as like a complete unit. I just, I, I love every moment of it. <laughs> it has a really good hook. It's got a good rhythm guitar hook. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was I saying with the intro? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, a after the, not the intro, after the credits, mm -hmm. the, the little bits they would play at the end. I guess yeah. I'm interested in hearing what your battle cry is then, because it's hard to pick one for me that isn't from one of those uh, journal entries. Yeah, um, I, I don't know if I have, like, a specific battle cry. There, there was one that I wanted to remember, and I wish I would have written there it down There is one correct answer. There's one correct answer that everyone has to agree on. And it's, love and peace! Love and peace! <laughs> that is the battle cry for Trigon. That, that is a good one. That is a good one. Um... <clears throat> uh, no, there was there was one. I can't. Oh, I, it was um. The ticket for the future is always open. Oh yeah, or or was it uh, is always blank? I I I remember it saying open because I remember okay. being like that's an interesting way of putting that. <clears throat> I think uh the the manga it said it mm -hmm. was blank. Uh, yeah, because I was reading I was reading a, a response to the manga. That was how I learned how some of the stuff was different. OK, 
and they were talking about, yeah, the ticket to the future is always blank. But yeah, uh, I think open works better for English audiences. Yeah. Ren, Rem, actually, I remember saying blank, but I remember Vash saying open, and I remember... Oh, okay. And Maybe I remember that's what specifically when he said that, I was like, that open is a really interesting way of putting that, because, like, I don't think of a ticket being open. Yeah, and blank makes you think uh, nothing. Mm-hmm. That's what blank makes me think. Even though right. the point that they're trying to get across is that it hasn't been decided where you're going yet. Like that's yeah. that's the message. But saying open works uh, immediately for English speakers, whereas blank, yeah. you're kind of like, wait, what does that mean? <laughs> that sounds kind of uh, that sounds like it could be be kind of uh, nihilistic almost. Yep. Well, that's definitely not the goal. So it's probably smart that it's it's best translated as open. <clears throat> yeah which uh when does that happen that happen does that happen relatively late i think that it was when he was talking to frank really so vash doesn't I even think... understand his own advice until the very end yeah because okay uh I mean, we can get into the pillars pretty soon, but I, I'm going to pitch this, and I'm I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying that this could be falsified necessarily, but I think mm-hmm. the basic message for Vash's story is that he's imprisoned by his, his ideology until the end. Like, he's talking about, you know, uh, the sanctity of life and everything like that, mm-hmm. but he cannot stop self-flagellating. Because of, like, the guilt that he's carrying. Yeah. And he, he's given this advice to other people and, you know, being like... Uh, like, one of the reasons he doesn't want to kill is that people deserve to live. To kind of live their own life. Whereas, he is not living. He's basically in purgatory. Like, ever yeah. since uh, the incident the City of July, he's been so racked with guilt that... Where is he, he even going? Like he's just kind of wandering for no, most of the show. I don't think he has a destination. He's just his he's, his ticket is blank. Yeah, well, and he's kind of well. No, it, it isn't. It's that he doesn't have a ticket at all. Mm. Oh, oh, you're saying blank? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. that yeah, specific yeah, yeah. version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's kind of wrangled into being forced to go somewhere and do something because knives starts acting up. Yeah, uh, and you know. Blue Summers is kind of there to mess with him and try to get his attention and try to get him to do stuff, but until Knives acts and kind of puts his name on something, mm-hmm. Vash isn't likely to kind of follow through with anything Blue Summers is doing. Like, when they attack him, he defends himself and tries to defend, to defend that town that he's in. But right, it's kind of a situation where it's like him just being there is causing trouble. Nothing, nothing Vash is doing is, is working early on. And then the, the message by the end, which there's multiple, he's brought to, well, I guess his current rock bottom a few times in the third episode mm-hmm. or in the third half, the latter half, latter third. God, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know it's been, we will get there, but, um, <laughs> his, uh, uh, the point where he has to execute blue summers is his real rock bottom. Right. Like, that's him waking up in pain <laughs> after yeah. that. Ooh, that scene where 
Meryl like walks out and stands outside of the yeah. door and he's freaking out and she's like, uh, ooh, that that was that was a rough rough. Yeah, scene. that was rough. Uh but that's kind of the rock bottom that he's brought to before he can start recovering again. Mm-hmm. But in a, in a funny way, and you know, it, it doesn't, this is, this could be dangerous, but at no point in the show, does it feel like this is a dangerous conclusion to come to. Mm-hmm. He is freed by killing blue summers because yeah. he's forced to face the fact that he is not a God. He can't do everything. Yeah. <clears throat> Where up to this point, he's been trying to atone for what he did it in uh, July. But his atonement literally is never enough in his own eyes. Like, yeah. he will never be able to do enough to atone for what he did to the city of July. Which, in uh, a Christian sense, is true. Which is why... He, humans aren't the ones who can atone for what they've right. done. Uh, I, I and and I think this is, ex- I think this is extremely appropriate for exclusively this anime, which is loaded with Christian themes. Yes. It's uh, crazy. I was talk about like the, the whole thing about him being a voluntary scapegoat. Yeah. Uh, like, and, and it making him kind of half human, half something else makes you almost think that, Eventually, in some way, he will be, you know, uh, a kind of Jesus figure. But mm-hmm. then at the end, it falls apart. And it's like, he's way more human and way more fallible than right. you're, you're maybe expecting. So, like, he can't do it. And, like, he has to accept that at the end. Yeah. Uh, he kind of, the, the, I would say the story is him gaining freedom from his previous sins. Because he learns about... And I, I wish I can remember what exactly he says about it, but there's something he says about forgiveness, which is him accepting that he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> hmm. Like he, he kind of has to learn to uh, accept that he could be forgiven, which right. uh, he's not the one that dies in the Christian church like Wolfwood does. Wolfwood straight up gets like, 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 Wolfwood's Redemption is right out of a 1950s uh, Western, where it's like, mm-hmm. like, the, the gunslinger finds God. Like, it's right out of that. Uh, Wolfwood kind of has the thing, his, his story is, I've already sinned too much, so I mm-hmm. might as well keep sinning. Versus Vash's, I've sinned so much and I will never atone for it, so my whole life is going to be this, uh, mis- th- this scapegoating. But it's never going right. to be enough. Wolfwood is just, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> this is the way the world is. This is the <laughs> way I am. Which, you know, totally different personalities between them. Right. And, uh, totally different responses to the world that they are in. And their their dynamic is so enjoyable. Uh, I like how uh, Vash who does not explicitly believe in this starts lecturing Wolfwood on thou shall not kill, right? <laughs> What kind of priest are you? <clears throat> uh, but yeah, what was I saying? I was getting somewhere and I never quite got there. Oh, um, oh I was, yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of Christian themes 
Mm-hmm. Which was like, I don't remember all of that. Like, I, I, I remember... I didn't either. I remember the cross. But... Yeah, I, I remember cross gun. <laughs> like, I remember that. And, like, also, also, the three sorry. different ways it can be used. <laughs> I meant to mention this earlier, but... You know, after reading Burning Effect and coming back to this is like, oh, that dude's a total ripoff of Wolfwood. <laughs> oh, yeah. Roy is a big old fat Wolfwood ripoff. <laughs> and I love him for it. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> it's good. That's a good character. Battle Priest is a good character. <laughs> but, like, how how freaking uh, smart <laughs> is, like, the way that the weapon is designed? Like, it's got the long barrel for, like, mm-hmm. the machine gun mode. It's got mm-hmm. the 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 kind of the handle that you can hold over the shoulder for the rocket launcher. Yep. And then it can be set up as cover for when you need to have, like, the handguns and stuff. Yep. And how it has, like, a ton. Of, and they're not even, like, Derringers, like, Merrill's guns. They're just, No, they're, like, like they're 45s. They're, yeah, they're full on. I'm pretty sure they're, like, Colt 45s. They might not be exactly on model. Oh, no, they're not. They're definitely Berettas, now that I'm looking mm-hmm. on them. So that's a 9mm. But yeah, that's like mm-hmm. st- that's standard issue, like full-size military infantry handgun. Yeah. Whereas, you know, Merrill has all those mm-hmm. uh, two-shot Derringers, which, I God, love, I love that scene. But I, Yeah, <laughs> I love it. It's, I just love all... Apparently in the manga, they, they, spe- they specify she has 50 of them. <laughs> that's a that's a lot of guns she's carrying around. I mean that's that's gonna get heavy. Well, both her and Millie have have shown that they are pretty strong. Millie is an Amazon. <laughs> Millie Millie is a a totally take home to your parents, very safe, very nice Amazon warrior. <laughs> like she's like oh, the freaking six again. foot four. <laughs> Yeah, she's like six foot four and carrying around this enormous stun gun, which it is not a stun gun in that it electrocutes people. It's a stun gun in that it fires a big metal X that like grabs people with its weight and pushes them down. <clears throat> and it carries multiple rounds, too. It doesn't just have the one. She's big, she's big strong. Yeah, uh, which... The strap broke. Was that from the movie? No, that was from the show. It was like the first okay. episode when they walk into the bar and like the guys start like hitting on them and then she turns around. Oh. That big old gun just poof. That's right. Okay. In the movie, she goes, the strap broke again. So it was a callback to it. Which I figured out the movie supposedly happens between uh, episodes 10 and 12. And uh, Yasuhiro Naitao, who's the author of the manga, he also did Gungrave. Um, yep. Which I, I'm thinking I need to finish. I need to come back to and finish. Gungrave was him doing uh, Mafia instead of okay. Western. And I only made it up to the point. Like, I only finished the the origin story. Hmm. Before he becomes, you know, the revenant beyond the grave. Like, before any of the supernatural stuff happens, it's this very down-to-earth, very gritty mafia story of, like, you know, uh, people moving up in the crime underworld and then, like, the betrayals start happening. And I was yeah. like, this isn't what I was expecting, which, I mean, 
Nitao just apparently that's his thing. Is you're not expecting what I'm doing. <clears throat> what else has he done? Uh, well, I'm sure he's done more. But when you've created a masterpiece like Trigun, it kind of gets swallowed yeah, it, up. Right, and uh, I think I I want to say he hasn't done much. If he has done more, then I should look into it. He has not done much. Remember, there's, he also did Blood Blockade Battlefront. Oh, sure, he did. the superior in both languages, the Japanese title, which is Kekai Sensen. It's just easier to say and has a nice sound to it. Blood Blockade Battlefront is a horrible tongue twister. <laughs> um, so he did. So there's Trigun and Trigun Maximum, and then there's Gungrave and Gungrave Overdose. Yeah, and then there's Kekai Sensen and Kekai Sensen Back to Back. <laughs> he did a he did something called uh S-flight, S-flight? which oh, is S-flight. apparently a uh an anthology. It's just six one-shots. Hmm. But it that that was over the course of like 6 years. So uh it's probably not like, you know, one consistent thing. He had been doing it since he finished Gungrave o- Overdose. And then something called Pen and Ink, but it's just oh, a it's tutorial. Just a guide. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm like this dude He's uh, uh he's giving back. <laughs> he's all over the place though. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh I wonder if there's going to be Oh, apparently uh he's still doing Kekai Sensen back to back. It's ongoing. Oh. Cool. Okay. I w- well, I wonder if that's something he's we still busy. Check out. <clears throat> well, I mean, I finished the first season and like once again, I'm like let me I'm sure it never says for sure, which there's a reason uh, people tend to not admit straight up if they are Christian in Japan. Mm. But uh, Trigun is... It's one thing for something like uh, 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 Neon Genesis Evangelion to use Christian mm-hmm. imagery. He didn't know what the imagery was for. He thought it looked cool in the moment. Hmm. So he literally he has gone on record saying, I don't understand the religion or what any of the symbols mean, I just thought they looked cool. And then, you know, like what Ava fans do, they read too much into it, because they still haven't realized they're the ones being made fun of. And then, with the case of Trigun, it feels like there's no freaking way he didn't at least research it extensively. Uh, There's there's some stuff I want to get into that shows he absolutely knew what he was doing. (laughs) He he had to have because he knew better than I did until recently, (laughs) which I'm not saying I know as well as he does. He might still know better than me because I don't know. I don't know better. (laughs) That was I think that's when you that's when you figure out, oh, I'm on track is when you're like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) That's basically the message of of the Christian faith. Mm. But yeah, it's like. When I'm, like, reflecting on it, specifically, like, Wolfwood's whole character arc. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's invoking the imagery, and then the way the story goes just feels way too aware. <clears throat> like, it, yeah. it feels like it's... It's, it, it's too on point. So, so here, do we, do we, do we want to get into it? <laughs> Uh, where where were we trying to get to before we started in on that? Were we gonna do the pillars? Uh, yeah, I I, I think yeah. Let's do, let's do pillars. Let's do pillars. 
I will say my tentative battle cry until uh, the main one gets invoked. I'm going to say is love and peace. With that, that, that classic good. Vash delivery, which I think is I think it's funny that Johnny Young Bosch has not done a voice like Vash's since. Like the the really goofy, happy go lucky where he really brings out like the youthful sound. Mm-hmm. He's not really done that since. What he does normally is Nero. Like yeah, that's his kind of that's his real voice per se. When you when you told me like um oh Johnny Young Bosch is doing such and such, like in a recent thing that comes out, like for example, yeah, Nero. Um <clears throat> I always listen to it and I'm like, wait, who was he? Because I was listening for Vash. <laughs> yeah. Nero Nero sounds nothing like Vash. <laughs> Which I think it's funny how uh, Trigun directly inspires Devil May Cry. I don't care what Kamiya may say. It certainly inspired it. Mm-hmm. But like, and then Johnny Young Bosch ends up becoming the star of Devil May Cry. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's it interesting. It's like, oh yeah, this is mine. This is mine. Y- y'all remember, this was mine. <laughs> you had your fun. <clears throat> I just right, freaking so, forgot Dante's voice actor's name. I can't. I can't believe I did that. How dare you! It's. I. I always want to think Justin Cause because that was the <laughs> what? Well, Justin Cause. It just... Yeah, that was the um uh, uh pseudonym he used for uh oh. the anime because his uh stunt company because he he does uh stunt choreography. Okay. Like he he's a stuntman first and foremost. And his his company, like his studio, is called uh, Just Cause, <laughs> which was before those games came out. But um, he did as a pseudonym to promote that. He made his name Justin Cause, which now this isn't this may not be the first you'll hear this audience. But the guy who voices Dante is a little eccentric. In real life, uh, he recently appeared in a documentary about aliens being real. Oh boy, he is a bit strange. <laughs> Which I mean, I, I I'll hear the 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 smart arguments about how you know there's been like declassified stuff in the mm-hmm. the FBI and CIA is like okay, well we've seen some stuff and we don't know what it was. We'll just say mm-hmm. that. But uh, you know, like people getting uh, abducted and probed and all that. Apparently, Dante's voice actor is waist deep and all that. He he oh is borderline like you know how um <clears throat> Dan Aykroyd is about ghosts. <laughs> Dante's voice actor is at least at that point with aliens. Oh my gosh! And I need to freaking find his name. He's a great voice actor. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh god, just I just remembered that uh uh Johnny Young Bosch voiced nine in Heroes Rising, which is not at all yeah, the same right. character. That that was the recent thing where you were like yeah. Johnny Young Bosch and I was like, I I did not hear him at all. Yeah. So like, is this a villain version of Vash? No, it's not at all. Okay. <laughs> not his voice actor's name is Ruben Langdon, so I'm not gonna forget. Ruben Langdon. I'm I'm uh, I didn't know he was in a oh he he didn't voice uh in The Last of Us Part 2. He was the stunt coordinator. Oh, interesting. He was also the stunt coordinator in Days Gone. Okay, so I guess he's just 
Sony. He's very prolific. He did the stunts in Ant Man. Uh, he did. He did the stunts in some Star Trek stuff. He's he's very busy. Okay, he's busy often. That name sounds more familiar the more I like hear it. Okay, Uh, he's also the mocap actor for uh, Joel in The Last of Us One. So all those tactical roles, all those falls, that's all Ruben Langdon. Huh. Uh, I, and the I, same thing for Dante. So they be falling the same way. <laughs> man, Dante's falling like an old man. I think it got easier lately. <laughs> He's not as young as he once was. He's still in ridiculous shape, but yeah. Anyway, let's get back on track. Yeah. I went way so, off the deep end. So pillars. Um, yeah, let's get so, the first pillar is going to be legacy. And I mean, it's steeped <clears throat> in legacy. <laughs> well, I mean, st- steeped in that, I think he doesn't know what he's supposed to do with that. Because so he far... He doesn't know what he's supposed to do with Rem's legacy, or his own is kind of hijacked. Well, in uh, kind of the fact that he sees knives as his responsibility, which mm-hmm. he should, it's his family. Right. Uh... Not to not to you know say people take that to the extreme. Uh, well, yeah, I mean extremes are usually the bad. Yeah, th- there's also situations in uh, my family, my extended family, where it's mm-hmm. like this person might need to get cut out. Mm. Uh, that's never easy. <laughs> but yeah, at some no. point, you're like, it's like I think I have done all that I physically can mm-hmm. for this person. Uh. But in the case of Vash and Knives, it's like Vash has a feeling he could beat Knives, so he remains his responsibility. Right. Uh, even though uh, in that flashback stuff, the like everything leading up to them coming to Planet Gunsmoke, which, dear God, that name. What a name. <laughs> someone, whoever came up with that, was not... Uh, they were not getting checked. That was some George Lucas filming episode one types of deals. Like no one second guessed that guy. He said, let's call planet Gunsmoke," And it just like was made official record. And everyone was like, really? Oh, like literally I thought it was a joke. Whereas that guy's like, I've done it. I've left my mark. That was his legacy. His legacy is the name planet Gunsmoke. Which, uh, by the way, there was going to be an MMO, uh, I think, oh, called been... Planet Gunsmoke, that was based in the Trigun universe. That would have been pretty pretty cool. I hate MMOs, but, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but it was going to be like Fantasy Star Online, which was one of the only good ones, from I what I understand. I haven't played that, but, you know. Me neither. Uh, the only MMO I've played was uh, World of Warcraft, and I was like, this is not for me if this is the best the genre has to offer. <laughs> but uh, Fantasy Star Online is supposedly held in very high regard. Uh, mm-hmm. The three that I know of being considered good are World of, War- World of Warcraft, Fantasy Star Online, uh, 1 and 2. 2 is considered pretty good. And uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. And Final Fantasy fourteen and World of Warcraft, I look at and I'm repulsed by to, like yeah. from a level that that I feel like I could I could obtain physical actual sickness from. So I don't think the <laughs> genre's for me. 
But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've there only was... played the I've only played the free MMOs, and it, those are not the right ones. Oh god, to those are all foot. bad. <laughs> yeah, because like Need for Speed this, World. <laughs> all, oh, dude, actually, hold up, hold up. Need for Speed World was actually retooled by some modders. You, you told really, me we went through yeah, this. We went through this, yeah. and I learned it doesn't work on Mac, so I didn't get oh, to play it. Oh yeah, that sucks. But it's uh, it's still pretty amazing on. PC. What's it called again? It's like Soapbox World or something. Uh, it, yeah, it's something like that. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but that sounds correct. I don't get um, it. I guess it's invoking soapbox derbies. I, I guess. I, I don't Yeah, I don't know. I think this is a weird name. Yeah. But, not, not, uh, particularly memorable, which may be the point. I mean, have you noticed how confusing all the names are for video game emulators? Most of them can't even be pronounced. All The only one I know of is Dolphin. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the only decent one, and it's named after the, the code name for the GameCube before it was released. Well, I thought it was named after the animal. <laughs> no, nope. Uh, actually, <laughs> Nintendo invented that word. They didn't know that it was the English name for a dolphin at the time. <laughs> they were like, hey, this sounds cool. <laughs> um, oh, I'll, and another thing. All Nintendo consoles have better code names than their actual names. Wee, wee, ooh. Well, uh, I don't know what it was for the NES or the Super NES, but the N64 was originally the Ultra 64. The GameCube was originally the Dolphin, which I think fits it better because there's so many beach games on that thing. <laughs> and then uh, the Wii was called the Revolution. And ooh. the Wii U was called Project Cafe, which I'm like, ooh, ooh, that sounds cozy. <laughs> Uh, the, however, I think Switch is a good name. It's it's a good double entendre. It was originally called the NX, which is nice and '90s edge, but uh, Switch, I remember Switch when probably it was works called better. NX. That was weird. Yeah, there it was just supposed to be the the Nintendo Next console, and it was like this is the laziest code name, but it's not bad. It, it got traction. At, you know, at least. So, at least Sony is consistent. You know, the PlayStation 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Uh, I, I just wish that they... I wish Xbox wasn't so just, like, wild. I'm amazed at how bad Xbox got. <laughs> it's never been worse. And their code names are better than their real names, too, which isn't saying uh -huh. much. Like I mean, Scorpion? Yeah, there, there was... Uh, well, the, it was Project Scorpio. For the mm. Xbox One X. Scorpio. Uh, and the Xbox One S was, I want to say, uh, Durango was what it was called. Oh. Hmm. And then, or that might have been the Xbox One. I'm not sure. Uh, the, the, I want to say it was like Crimson or something. Scarlet. 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 Yeah, Pro Project Scarlet. I Project Scarlet that. was the Series X. And it was going to be Scarlet is the Series X. The Series S was Lockhart. And I'm like, all of these Ooh. are so cool. Like, I almost feel like Sega did this. They did this thing where they just chose cool names mm -hmm. instead of doing, like, maybe Dreamcast. SEO-friendly names. It was, yeah, the Dreamcast, the Saturn, the Genesis. Mm -hmm. they, they were going to call one Neptune, which was going to be a portable Saturn. <laughs> uh, there was... Uh, the Master System was the original, 
And in the UK, the Genesis was called the Mega Drive. And it's like, God, these are all so cool. I'm so I'm so sad they're gone. We sorely miss their naming conventions. Anyway, what in the world were we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about legacy. Yeah, were we? Did we ever actually get into that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I might need to take a bathroom break real quick. <laughs> then we'll start in on it proper. Yeah. Promise. So okay. legacy. Yeah, before we get to that, real quick though, I <laughs> want you to tell the people what the D in Nicholas D. Wolfwood stands for. Oh, oh God. I, I, okay, I'm not going to be able to read the Japanese, but... Uh, oh, here, let me try it. I'm going to... I'm oh, going to suck. I'm going to fail. No, I'm going to fail, but I at least want to try. Ah, oh, I don't even know where you sent it. Wasn't it you sent it to the wrong... Uh, yeah, it's... it's Okay, it's... Dokunokuminomonjaware... Okay, I see it. <laughs> oh, you didn't even come close. I know, I don't. <laughs> wait, wait. Shite shizumetako. Or no, Shimisataro Kakura. God. So, and it says, What the hell family do you think you're from? I'm gonna tie you up in a reed mat and dunk ya. <laughs> Just, a, it's a reed mat and he's gonna dunk you. That's a good name. That's a, that's a fine name. Good, strong name. There was a. They really knew what they wanted when when they had him. <laughs> I also feel like uh, there's some some Japanese context in there I'm missing. And there must be. There has to be. <laughs> is that is that a thing? Do Japanese people wrap people up in reed mats and dunk them? <laughs> Maybe we should be integrating that in our culture. I, I'm fine with that. Anyway, all right. Let's go to legacy. So, Actually, for legacy. real this time. <laughs> so legacy. So, um, but yeah, we were talking about how uh, Vash is responsible you know, Va- for knives. Vash is responsible for knives. He's also tied up in um, Rem's legacy. Yeah, he's and kind I, of I, hamstrung his own. Yeah, well, and I kind of feel like Rem was a little uh, irresponsible. I mean, she she is extremely naive. Knives is right yeah. about her in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think Vash being unable to revisit or criticize, you know, uh, everything he got from Rem is what is hamstringing him. It's right. like he's taking everything completely seriously and literally. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, it's jumping ahead a little bit. But it's symbolic when he gets rid of the coat after saving Knives. Which yeah. the coat was kind of there as a thing for remembering her. Mm-hmm. The whole uh, what what was the name of the the flower? It was like the. It was a weird name. Um, I can't freaking remember it. Yeah, I don't know. But when he was saying like, 
I like I'm gonna continue your vision, but I'm gonna do it with my, with my own voice or something. Red like geranium. That That's what it was. Geranium. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's supposed to like she she states literally what it's supposed to symbolize is mm-hmm. like supposed to symbolize courage and stuff like that. Whereas right. um, he takes it a bit further than that. He he adds a few layers on it, and just the fact that he's wearing a coat of of blood red is like. Mm-hmm. Once again, the voluntary scapegoat thing. Yeah. Like, he's like, no, shoot at me. Look over here. Look at me. Also, I'm the like, big red he's target. Kind of, he's kind of painted and wearing the blood. Yeah. Of the people that he's, like, trying to atone for. Exactly. So it starts off being, uh, you know, a sign of courage. Mm-hmm. But it turns into he's, like, stained. Like, his past yeah. is stained, and he's trying to atone for it. And he can't. Yeah. Um. And yeah, it's like it's it's a really striking image, having him on the poster in that red coat. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's used throughout, you know, showing him kind of in the distance, walking towards bad guys. He's very obvious. He's not stealthy, at any point. Yes. And it's kind of because of the coat. And no one in the whole show dresses like that, like. There's some funny looking outfits, of course, like, you know, Blue Summers. But as far Mm -hmm. as the colors, everything's a bit more reserved, save for like maybe some of the gung-ho guns, which are, you know, uh, using the color for a similar reason. It's like, look at me. Uh, I can't remember what this... Well, they're making a scene. Yeah, and and I can't remember what this uh, evolutionary phenomenon is called. It's like the reasons that poison dart frogs evolved to be colorful is to make it a point. It's like, even though I'm small, I'm not camouflaging myself because I don't need to. Right. So, in the way that happens in evolution is those frogs stopped getting eaten, which is why they, you know, the ones that were hidden weren't the ones that ended up living. It was the ones that were colorful or the ones that were left alone. So, and that's still a thing. Like, that, that works you know in uh a, in the wild west that would still work someone wearing a big out there look who's drawing attention is making a statement saying yeah everyone's going to be looking at me for stirring up trouble but I don't have to worry right so i think it's more that kind of thing with the gung ho guns and uh with vash it's kind of like he's trying to aggro attention to himself so they don't attack other people yeah yeah, um, as far as, like, but, like, his legacy, I, I I think that it's more like he's picking up his own legacy. Like, when he drops his coat, he's picking up his own legacy in, I mean, he, he literally picks up knives. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, I think that's, you say literally, but he also is symbolically now carrying his brother. Right. Which, you know... <laughs> He's not heavy. He's my brother. Yeah. Uh, and then the, yeah, he, he throws, uh, it, before the coat gets destroyed a couple times and he can't wear it anymore, like when he's, mm-hmm. he's recovering. But in that moment, he tosses it. He discards it. Yeah. So it's kind of like, like he's done being the scapegoat because he's, he's accepting. And he, he's always the one who's like, uh, arguing for humanity versus knives mm-hmm. who's arguing against them. And then mm-hmm. 
uh, Vash, like, literally takes on humanity as who he is now. Like, he is human. Yeah. He's he's gonna stop being the demigod that has to be here to protect everyone and make sure no one's no one dies. Because uh, he isn't very good at it. Yeah. Which I think is a surprising uh, conclusion for the hero of a shonen anime to come to, is... I can't save everyone. I'm only human. Yeah. God, it's so funny so to good. think of this show as a shonen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I feel like it definitely started off uh, kind of targeted to that age group. Mm-hmm. And maybe in the result of it kind of switching hands in the manga stage, it changed its demographic a little bit. Maybe he just decided he could start writing it a little smarter. And then the anime uh, kind of gets to start from that point. Yeah. It's like we're making this for a an audience who can understand it. Which, I mean, I think you do that for everything you make. If you want to make yeah. it good. Uh, but yeah, maybe that's an explanation for why it happens. But it... I think it would, I would still say it is a shonen anime, but it's a shonen anime that I could recommend to anyone. Like, yeah. Vash is, is a womanizer, but he's not very disrespectful. Yeah, he, he's more, <laughs> he, I mean, he's the kind who tries to shower them with compliments and charm. Yes. He's not, uh, taking advantage of anyone. Right. Uh, <laughs> talking about you the, know other shonen cyclops, anime but the cyclops girl though <laughs> wait i could have groped you five times oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the five buttons pop off that was <laughs> that was a cool moment though because <laughs> like her whole thing were like his buttons pop off <laughs> and then like <laughs> right after that that's the response <laughs> She's like, I could have killed you three times by now. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> what was it? Uh, uh, the devil's eye was what she had. The the Sharingan? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a proto Sharingan. Like, they did it first. Yeah. A lot of stuff seems to come from Trigun. I think uh, all of anime can trace its legacy back to Jojo and Trigun. Because Jojo was the 80s. Trigun is, is the late 90s early aughts but yeah the the devil's eye or whatever yeah freezes people in time so there's two times i it just kind of jumped out at me two times early on when they are kind of establishing (gasps) legato they use uh themes of the devil in the title like the episode that he's introduced is diablo Mm mm-hmm and, you know, it kind of seems like you're setting up uh, the Gale, whatever he was, whatever whatever his full name was. The dude with the purple and yellow with the big ol' arm cannon. It was something oh, the Gale yeah. was his nickname. I can't remember his name. Yeah, but that episode mostly is there to, inter- to introduce Blue Summers. Mm-hmm. And then he plays... Uh, another big prominent part right after that with the the devil's eye lady so there's his first two episodes where he features prominently it's talking about the devil yeah and i'm not sure how it kind of falls into place at the end 
But the way it's set up is that Blue Summers feels demonic, whereas Knives feels vengeful. And Knives feels vengeful in kind of a Cain and Abel way, in that Vash mm-hmm. is clearly the preferred brother uh, yeah. um, with their caretaker being Rem. So yeah. that, make, that makes Knives probably a little resentful. They don't go too far into that. Uh, but he does seem to be a bit preoccupied with with talking her down, someone who had only ever been nice to him. And then you know, there's the whole bit where uh, Vash is the one that gets the haircut from her, and then Knives angrily cuts his own hair. Yeah, Vash has like the the full on golden hair, and Knives is kind of like this kind of off the off yellow. Muted. Yeah, yeah. So I I mean it seems like. Knives is being set up as the the fallible human character, even though he's half human, half plant or whatever. Yeah. And then Blue Summers, who I'm assuming is is something beyond human. Do they say he's one of them in the anime? Because he can like speak to people through his through his mind. I don't think that they did, but they he don't does have Vash's arm. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. I'm sure it has to be because it's like, it's almost like he was created from Vash from like what, mm-hmm. what knives could take from Vash, which he wants to be everything. But there's something about blue summers that is like extremely inhuman and extremely demonic. Yeah. Like he has, he has no humanity. Like there's there's no there's nothing in there that can be like reasoned with. Yeah. And I don't know, it's kinda like the moment that he has to kill Blue Summers is where he that's like when he starts the process of kind of being free from his uh naivete. Yeah. And Blue Summers just kind of his objective isn't to kill Vash. It isn't to win. It's to orchestrate Vash's fall. So I don't know. There there's something there's something very satanic about Blue Summers. Like he's not looking for victory uh literally. Yeah. He he's looking for kind of the moral victory and that he can in some way completely dis- destabilize the morals of the hero. I'm sure there's a lot more <laughs> There's a lot more there, but I don't have the the chops to get into it, I guess. Well, but I mean, like, that that makes sense for, I mean, like, because if we're going to continue the biblical or, like, the, the Christianic, um, like, ties, if you go by the Christian canon, the Bible, you know, Satan kind of knows that he's not going to win. Right. And so his goal is not to win. His goal is to drag other people down with him. Yeah, and, and the fact that it, there's this sort of, you know, uh, a Vash so far would like to be a kind of messianic character. Mm-hmm. And then in that moment, you know, it's kind of like Satan tempting Jesus to, like, free himself from the uh-huh. responsibility. Vash completely fails, like totally wipes out and, like, can't. He he can't withstand the temptation, right? Because he's not right. Jesus. He is not Christ, 
which as as much as he wants to be well and i don't even think he's consciously is trying to like he doesn't have that kind of uh figure to aspire to so mm-hmm. it's almost like he's trying to be the messiah in the world that doesn't have the messiah yet like mm. like you know the messiah is but it's not yeah. like when like people today would try to be like a messiah like they would just try to be like Jesus, which, you know, mm-hmm. like Jesus is different from being Jesus. But right. uh, it, it's kind of like he's, but okay, Jesus knows what he's supposed to be the whole time. Mm-hmm. Whereas Vash is definitely d- d- doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> he, he just right. feels like he's done something horrible and he has to atone for it. Whereas that's not the same as Jesus. Uh, and that that moment that's what i'm thinking this guy must know <laughs> he must have at least done some very in-depth far beyond surface level research and like far beyond what most people grow up with yeah to be able to write I mean, a scene that mirrors a scene in the bible and have that character deliberately completely wipe out in that moment well that and also like the um the whole uh, the whole seeds ship, like everything that happened in the flashback, all of that is just a mirror of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And there's literally a scene where Knives is eating an apple, like, and it's kind of like after that, he kind of shifts. Like, yeah. Everything shifts. <laughs> and then from there, I mean... It it kind of tells the story of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel all at the same time. Which, yeah, I mean, Which, those are kind of, that's kind of a double origin story to begin with. Right. Uh, I mean, father, father, father and mother and son and son. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, the first family, as it were. Um, but yeah, that, that whole, the whole symbolism of, you know, of knives kind of, eating of that forbidden fruit right more or less and like starting to lose that balance and uh this is why i asked you at the beginning before we started recording about like the yin and yang because um he in that moment he loses balance of his yin mm. uh knives does and so he has spiraled and even the fact that he's going into the yin and being you know more of the feminine side of yin and yang um with i mean that kind of lines up with the biblical storytelling uh, of adam and eve where eve is the first one to eat of the tree like she's the first one to be deceived into eating the fruit of you know the forbidden fruit yeah Um, and and it kind of um pretty pretty effectively merges the cain and abel thing because i mean abel is kind of you know seen as the the good worker you know, he's mm-hmm. the one. He one is doing his job and doing it right, doing doing it doing it well. And not only is that, but he's also he's also providing. I mean, his, <laughs> they're providing offerings using their crops, and so he he is doing it well, and so he has a good sacrifice to bring to the offering. Right. Well, and I mean, and so the, the reason they have favor. to sacrifice to begin with is because sin has now been introduced. But yeah, uh, with Trigon. Eh, it's a little bit different. It's, you know, it's kind of, uh, because they're kids, it's kind of the, the naivety of children. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 
and the favoritism. Let's let's the perceived favoritism. Right, and, and kind of let's say that there's just for the sake of this example that at this point, because they're children, they haven't necessarily sinned in the same way mm-hmm. that uh, Adam and Eve sin. So right. it can sort of work the same. But uh, yeah, Knives is the one who kind of like gives into that. And from that point mm-hmm. on, he's kind of like, wow, by lying, cheating and killing. I can do anything I want. <laughs> it's yeah. good. Now that he has the knowledge of good and evil, and it almost seems like the people around him don't know. Like, mm-hmm. why would they think he would betray them? Why would they think he's like in on this and like orchestrating their downfall? Like they would just trust him because they aren't expecting him to do any of this stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, immediately contrasted with a a sci-fi Western world, which is, you know, any Western is supposed to be taking place in the Wild West. You know, this is a place where people who just decide I'm just not going to do the right thing are kind of supposed to be in an easier place. It's like, well, I can just, I can just get away with stuff now. Yeah. Cause uh, who's going to stop me. So, uh, I mean, that's a good, um, world for them to kind of be thrust into. Cause it's just a, a barren wild West wasteland after they've been kicked yeah. out of Eden. Right. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you were going somewhere with that. Um, I don't. Oh, I th- I think that we're. I was just reinforcing the fact that like he had the the writer had. To oh yeah, yeah. Him. He has to have yeah, uh, looked into this stuff. Had to have because like there's no way. I mean, sure, there are some fundamental like. I think we're finding that with with our experiment of belt. Uh, but you know, there are some fundamental stories that are just going to be told. But oh yeah, to have them to have it mirror the Bibli- some of these biblical stories and biblical like <laughs> principles yeah as, as much as uh people or, well i guess as, as much as christians would like to see it in everything there's something like this where it's like okay well this is definitely it yeah <laughs> it's like some of the other stuff i have to admit now pr- pretty coincidental this one mm-hmm. there's uh, like no way it isn't yeah. on purpose or at least <laughs> if it if at it wasn't informed. on purpose yeah no it has to, it has to be at least informed the whole thing mm-hmm. with the cross and wolfwood and repentance and all that stuff even it has even to be the position even the position that wolfwood takes like, yeah like <laughs> the way that he dies like that that whole like holding on to the cross it rising up above you yeah and, like you're you're just kneeling there it has to be <laughs> has to be uh however uh there's another change from the manga mm-hmm. in the manga it's almost like a situation where in the middle of wolfwood in the middle of that fight repents before he's gunned down hmm. so then the anime which yasuhiro naital was very much involved in the anime it wasn't like they just took it from him and uh adapted it straight up or, you know, did the changes that they wanted to change. Apparently Mm -hmm. he was very much involved in it. So he was, he was involved in the process of, uh, you know, what things should be changed and why. 
Yeah. But in the manga, you know, because it's a little darker, uh, Wolfwood, like, in that gunfight, is, like, trying to repent before, uh, you know, he inevitably loses. <clears throat> Whereas hmm. this one, he loses that draw, and, uh, you know, did you notice his, like, former master doesn't finish the job? He's still able to go back to, right. to Knives yeah. to report on it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it turns out he th- he shot, he hit him, but then Wolfwood's able to walk away. He's able to walk to the church. Uh, and even which is, talk to Vash. Yeah. Like, he talked to Vash, like, in in that walk, because that was when Vash had... Um, had failed to save what was his name um oh brad what you talking about brad the the guy from um from that uh uh one of the seeds that he revisited no he did fail to save brad let's not let's not forget that vash did fail (laughs) no but he failed to save uh Long shot. I don't know. I can't remember his name. Oh, oh, the, one of the gung ho guns. Gun on himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, he couldn't save him because the guy just decided, I'm not going back. And it was funny because it was in that moment that you get the middle ground between both Wolfwood's views and uh, I almost said Trigun's views and Vash's uh, <laughs> views. John Trigun. <laughs> where, um, where it's like, we'll just do better next time. Yeah. Uh, so, like, with, with Wolfwood and Vash, it's very much, like, about forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vash can't forgive himself. Right. And Wolfwood is not interested in it. Either that or he doesn't think that it, like... That it's possible. Yeah. Right. Because he's just too... His, his, uh, his, his clothes are too black. Yeah. That's probably, yeah, that's more like it. But, it's like, well, if they're this black, I may have to well turn them into a tux. Right. But then with Wolfwood, it's kind of um, the conclusion he arrives at is, no, I do want this. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I, I do want forgiveness, so I do want to repent. But even then he was like, I don't want to die like this, though. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. No one wants yeah. to. <laughs> also, also, um. Just making sure I picked up on this because I definitely didn't remember this before, but he and Millie totally banged, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick up that on that before because... I did not remember that at all. <laughs> that was one of the things I think I actually picked up on the subtext with beforehand. But I didn't remember that at all. <laughs> that, that was very much a... Um, uh, what would you call that? I mean that's another kind of western Sex. western trope. What? Oh. Okay. oh. <laughs> that was another kind of western trope where it's like uh kind of the the consummation of something yeah. and now he's got to go die now. It's like now yeah, he's going I mean, to like, his death. I mean this this time when I watched it like it totally it totally made sense like it clicked because like you know he's standing in front of a window his shirt's off and you know millie's in the bed and it's like yeah yeah they they totally banged i did not remember this at all <laughs> yeah, um there, there's i'm surprised how much um how much more there was there i mean I, I i when i was watching it i was surprised 
how much more subtext was there for me to find. But that was one thing that I picked up on. Oh yeah. Uh, the first time. The, the, the scene though, I think that like this time, that was actually what told it, me. Yeah. He's not looking away from this. <laughs> the first yeah. time I watched it. The only thing that made me remember that he was, or that he had died in the end of the show was like, as I was watching, I was like, wait a minute. I remember finding it really weird that, Badlands Rumble still had Wolfwood. Oh yeah. And so I was like so that reminded me that he died. But uh but rewatching it, like I didn't remember picking up on any of the romance between Mill and it, it may just be because of how far I mean 11 years ago. Right. That's, yeah, whatever. But uh picking up on all the, like the little like conversations between him and Millie and like how sweet it was. Yeah. Um like they're when they're driving in the car and like he made a joke and she was like sex tuplets is out of the question, honey. Oh yeah, and it's <laughs> and kind it of a, call, like, a callback to when they were pretending. Right. But, but it was like but it was like yeah, it was like uh what if we kissed unless Well, um, <laughs> well except it isn't like that at all. That would be yeah. that's that's Marilyn Vash. That that's the Sundere thing. But yes. Millie is just like well, <laughs> waiting on you. That was like watching it again. It was like that. That was so sweet. And this the show. I do remember the tension between Meryl and Vash. I think that that was what my memory like was drawn to the most. And I remember this show, especially rewatching it. It was like I. I remember the show being. The first anime that or, I mean, this is the second anime that we watched. But the first time that I was like, man, I I can totally see those two characters together. And I, I'm kind of glad that they don't show them getting together, but they totally imply it. Like, yeah, they strongly imply the it. But with both Vash and Meryl, they mm -hmm. are ironically the less mature of their their duos. Like mm -hmm. Wolfwood, Wolfwood, despite being the cynic, mm -hmm. in the end is the one who's, you know, kind of got a, a more zoomed out view of things than Vash. And Millie, despite, you know, being the, the happy-go-lucky one, definitely has a better idea. Like, she's a, a much more mature person. Especially with how she was able to kind of deal with grief. Yeah. How It was to that point where it's like, I've she reaches the point where she's grieved enough, and now she just has to get up and do something. Oh, that scene got me too. Yeah. <laughs> when she turns around and she's got a smile on her face, but she's still crying and it's just like, oh, God, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that's kind of uh that, that's a feeling that most kids don't really make it to. Like, mm -hmm. like if, if a kid has a death in their family, it kind of just ends up staying with them until they're able to mature and move on from it. Whereas when right. it happens to adults, you grieve uh, but then you're done after a certain point. And that's not, yeah. not to say that, you know, uh, you forget about the person, but uh, the grieving process is something that we're, like we have in our instincts, like in, in our biology. I mean, animals do the same thing. So yeah. it's not like it's, uh, you know, <laughs> you're, you're cynical for eventually moving on though i think some people get damaged to the point where they feel like they can't move on or they shouldn't move on like vash yeah. 
Like, he can't move on from uh, what he did to the city of July. Yeah, and he hasn't he hasn't grieved and moved on. Yeah, and I think uh, there's, a, there's a reason they kind of do a spotlight on that with Millie for a bit. Like, to sh- show someone going through the healthy process of grieving versus uh, what Vash has completely not been able to pull off. Like, he's holding every single one of those deaths. Like, he's carrying all of them with him. Like, not yeah. just the city of July. It's all of the ones that have happened on his watch since then. Which, I mean... Who asked him? Who asked it to be his watch? You know. Yeah. So it's kind of like I mean, these people didn't even know you. They wouldn't hold this against you. It's like he's he's taking on way more than he's able to take on. Yeah. Uh, and it's and it's not healthy. Uh, I mean, I, I remember kind of revisiting it now. I was thinking, I remember this feeling like more of an adventure, whereas on second watch. It feels like Vash is going in circles the whole time until he's finally broken by uh, Blue Summers. Then it feels like his character arc can kind of make progress and come to a close. Whereas I remember, you know, going from town to town, meeting all these crazy characters the first time, knowing what happens after the fact and seeing how he kind of refuses to budge for most of Mm -hmm. the show. It feels like he's just wandering just aimlessly in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because like for in my memory, this movie or this movie, this show was more like a, like an anthology. Like in my memory, it felt more episodic. Yeah. Um, and then like rewatching it, it was like, no, this is definitely telling a story. Like they're referencing other episodes, literally every episode. Yeah. So there's continuity. But at first, it's deliberately episodic because he is going nowhere. Yeah, it's so interesting because, like, to see it start to, like, start to move from that episodic feeling and into more of what it actually is, which is that serialized, you know, it's actually telling a story. Right. Yeah. And uh, I I didn't really catch the whole moving in circles but, I mean, like, looking back now, I can totally see it. Yeah, I, I think the first time I watched it, I didn't catch the episodic nature quite as much. Hmm. Even though it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's not literally episodic. It's just kind of evoking that kind of uh, walking in place feeling. But yeah. it's deliberate. Like, that's the point. Because he is walking in place. Until a certain point where it stops being feeling episodic entirely. Like it's just like, it's one moment to the next between each episode. You know, you start getting cliffhangers because it's having to stop in the middle. Right. <clears throat> so here, um, well, I am running out of time. Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> but, uh, Oops. so, so let's, let's do the rest of the, um, the pillars. Okay. Yeah. Let's get through it. Um, so we kind of, we kind of covered legacy. Is there anything that you wanted to add on legacy with le- legacy? I kind of, I think it turns you, when you were talking about the, um, the, the ticket to the future being open, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vash can finally decide what his legacy is going to be. And we don't see yeah. him do that, but yeah, he is, he finally gains freedom Yeah, at the end. And I think it's funny how he takes, Wolfwood's cross with him 
And they talk about, you know, Wolfwood's kind of spinning and flinging the cross around like it's nothing. And, uh, and he's carrying. So I'm saying this guy has to know because no uh-huh. one else can carry Wolfwood's sins. Yeah. Like that's only a burden that he can bear. And he's tossing them around like it's nothing, but he's still got to carry them. And then at the end, when Vash takes it with him, it's kind of like mm-hmm. now that Wolfwood carried them, like the legacy that he's left can help Vash in the long run. Yeah, and I, the, the the quote, the, um, what the hell are you doing, Needle Noggin? It's right next to you. Use it. Yeah. Ooh, that was cool. I, I had totally forgotten about that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, oh, my God, I don't. Uh, this is fantastic. Mm. But yeah. So good. Uh, so the, I guess Wolfwood's legacy is that because he bared the burden of his sins, he kind of. He, he creates a path for Vash now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, you know, kind of saves, saves his life, literally, in that moment. <clears throat> yeah. Because he was there at the right place at the right time, which is, you know, the, the place he was going to end up. Uh, that's all I can probably say on Legacy, then. Vash kind of <laughs> gains his freedom because he stops letting uh, his old sins weigh him down. Uh, and kind of decides that he, he can't bear everyone's sins. He can't be the Christ. Yeah, he, he can't be everyone's scapegoat. It's, it, he's, he's only human. And, you know, accepting that he's only human, and that's the thing that Knives was against, accepting humanity at all, in accepting that he's only human, he can now carry his brother. Right. So, And then we don't see it, but in the manga, eventually Knives... Uh, kind of decides I'm going to become the center of a city for humans. Hmm. Cause they keep so, referring so it's to it. Like I didn't ni- realize this. Sorry. They said it, they're the seven cities. They keep, they kept referring to the seven cities. So I'm assuming that there are not very many. of them. Yeah. Yeah. Probably so. not. <sighs> hmm. Yeah, I think uh, that kind of gets played fast and loose with because some of the cities have plants, some of them don't. Right. Uh, but yeah. Uh, Vash's legacy, beyond what the anime shows us, is knives. Yeah. So. And I, like I said, when he throws down the false legacy. Right. And picks up knives, his actual legacy. Right. Oh. This show is so freaking yep. good. Uh, and then, you know, that fight there at the end is kind of the big belt moment. It's that mm-hmm. Vash has to kick Knives' ass in order to save his life. Let me see you grit those teeth. Yeah, more or less. And you can tell uh, they kind of have some some superhuman regeneration. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Vash gets to fight a little harder with knives than he ha- has fought with the other humans so far. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Like he's, brother. he's really laying into him. <laughs> Vash, Vash seems particularly pissed off in that fight. But yeah, I, that's his legacy. I love, I love the, um, uh, 
I love when Knives was like, well, did you have fun with your humans or whatever? And then Bash looks up and was like, yeah, it was actually really great. <laughs> that was good. Because that was different from how he's reacting before. Like, Knives could always get him mad. Kind of get under his skin. And then he just like, ooh, that was good. That yep. was a sign that he that he had grown to that point. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't done growing. Winning the fight and throwing off the coat is like when he's when he's finished that character arc. Ugh. It's yeah. sublime. It's so, so good. good. <laughs> uh okay, next pillar. Let's see if we gotta get so through these. <laughs> potential. Potential. Well, kind of the problem is that uh Vash has cut himself off from potential. He's kind of decided, well, I did the bad thing. So now I'm just going to have to be, I'm going to have to serve humanity indefinitely and I'll never be done. You know, uh, just kind of throwing that whip across your own back. Yep. There's no, you know, settling down on a farm ending for Vash as far as he's concerned. Right. Uh, He's just going to be doing this indefinitely going from town to town, you know, trying to save who he can. And uh, it's not a system that works. Because yeah. he is a he, he is a ball of chaos wherever he goes. He's not fully realized at all. Even though he's thinking, you know, this is my lot in life. So he's squandering yeah. the potential and uh, bringing death and despair everywhere he goes because he has squandered the potential. This is something I don't think um, we talk about very much, but it's one mm-hmm. thing to, like, realize your purpose and you know uh try try to realize it i guess but i don't think maybe we've said enough that it is detrimental to humanity itself to ignore your purpose like it's actually it's like actively working against peace to like yeah. ignore what you've learned your purpose is so Vash is yeah, kind I mean, of. If we look at Vash, yeah, I mean, the moment as he's ignoring his purpose. Yes, this is. He this... literally is a humanoid typhoon. <laughs> well, listen, it's something just occurred to me. Oh, holy crap! And this is one of those things where it's like maybe he didn't research and mean that intentionally. But um, mm-hmm. Vash be- bringing storms with him is Jonah running to Tarshish. Yeah, like he is sprinting. From what he has to do and being like, oh, I'll just do this right thing. I got to go over here and help these people. And it's like you're bringing a storm with you. Yeah, we gonna and have to throw you overboard, G. <laughs> I mean, think about the fact that he gets every ship that he gets on ends up wrecked. All, all the uh, cars that he's in gets uh, they break down like when he's carrying Meryl and Millie. Yeah. Like, the motorcycle that he was on with uh, Wolfwood breaks down. Right, everything collapses beneath him because he is oh, running man. from his purpose. No. So that is way too over. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's too over because that's... Uh, it's not as overt as some of the other stuff. Like the, the thing with Blue Summers tempting him. That seems way more... Uh, that seems like it's in a different tier. Maybe that's just me, though. I don't know. I feel like everything that happens to Vash, and of course, you know, plot, but you know, whatever. But <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, the, that's Bible's full of them. Bible's full of plot lines. <laughs> yes. Um, but like, 
everything that happens to Vash is like either A, a storm that plagues the people that he's with, or it's a whale swallowing him up to take him closer to knives. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Ah, maybe it was on purpose. It's almost like, yeah, no, 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 yeah, because it's almost like he deliberately uh, is able to veer off. He doesn't, mm-hmm. he, he's unable to be Christ, but he mm-hmm. is just able to avoid being Jonah. There at the yeah. end, he's just able to keep from doing it. Whew, yeah, ooh, this is good. It's good stuff. Uh, another thing. You can't be Christ, but don't be Jonah. Yeah. <laughs> An- another thing with potential would be uh, the fact that Wolfwood is supposed to be mm-hmm. this kind of traveling priest. And, you know, when he shows up, people are happy to see him. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you know, maybe, you know, maybe you could help some people in this town. Uh, and then Vash is the total opposite. Like when Vash shows up and people figure out who he is, it's like, oh, no. Oh, disaster's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Even though everywhere Wolfwood goes, he also brings disaster mm-hmm. because he's doing the same thing. Uh, and, you know, the, the whole thing with his little his little uh, miniature confession box, <laughs> he's kind of uh, give he, he's monetized his ministry <laughs> in um, a way that maybe we shouldn't get to. Uh, get too detailed on with the fact that there are definitely people doing that. Mm-hmm. But like, um, he's also bringing trouble under the guise of bringing peace, whereas yeah. Uh, Vash is kind of trying to to keep a low profile and you know help when when something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Wolfwood is basically saying, even though he doesn't, maybe his personality doesn't actively do this because he is what he is, wandering around and going into town. It's kind of assumed from everyone else. Oh, you're here to you're here to help, yeah. even though he's rarely bringing help. Both of these two characters. Um, are not very heroic until, you know, their ends. Right. It's kind of surprising because I didn't remember it that way. You know, I just remember it as these are the two, you know, this kind of caravan of people just going cool around. Cool dude in red coat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and just like these four main characters going around saving the day when they're yeah. kind of bringing just as much trouble <laughs> as they're dispersing. Yeah. They're cut, yeah. They're they're solving the problems they create. Yeah, and th- there's a couple episodes, you know, where they find, uh, when when it's almost sort of like a one-off about different characters, like the kid that ran from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're kind of going in there and being able to give them a lesson, which is when they they can kind of shine. Like that's a moment when Wolfwood shines, like when yeah. he, when he makes the kid decide, like choose between uh uh. Uh, freedom and the death of other people. Yeah. Like when he like forces him to make that choice. It's like that, that was good. Like, like regardless of how it turns out and, you know, Vash coming in with a plan to save everyone. That's like some of the only times that they're able to be heroic is when it's about someone else. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's honestly off the top of my head. That's the only one I can think of right now. But, um, Yeah, and then, you know, there's there's another episode where they figure out who Vash is and the whole town turns against him. Yeah. Or it's like, we need that money. 
And it's like uh, yeah, and then the, and the Nebraska siblings, yeah, or the, the Nebraska family, yeah, because that one was just the father and the younger brother. Yeah, uh, you kind of um, I mean, it becomes even more clear that he's supposed to be a sort of Christ figure when like mm-hmm. it's like I mean I know you're doing the right thing, but I I, I might make a lot of money from turning you in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, uh, potential. We done with the potential. Did you have something to say on potential? Um, I just kind of ran my mouth. I actually didn't have much on potential. Uh, okay. Or I didn't have much like. Well, it's more like knives is the one with potential. Right. Or well, knives and Vash both have potential, but it's like knives is the one who's actively working against the good of the world, whereas mm-hmm. he can literally become a a like life force for people. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Vash is able so, to turn that one around. So the next pillar is um, tragedy and or sacrifice usually bookends. Boy, if that ain't what happened. Mm. I mean, straight up, those are the bookends. Like, it's, yeah. not, it's not explicit uh, what the tragedy is at the start. That kind of is slowly mm-hmm. revealed. But, you know, in retrospect, it's obvious... The moment where he tries to go, well, okay, there's kind of two tragedies. There's the whole thing with, you know, the, being kicked out of Eden. And, yeah, uh, the, the fall from grace. You know, uh, uh, Rem being like the person that he failed. And then right. when he tries to go fix it by bringing his brother to justice, ends up causing way more death and destruction than he ever thought possible. Yeah. <clears throat> And then when he tries to do it again, it's like he's he hasn't grown since that time. And he and he doesn't even he's not even facing knives when he's fighting that samurai and his arm does the thing again. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like he, he manages to not do as much damage just because he's able to direct it somewhere else. But he blows a hole in the moon and then kind of makes everyone else more afraid. Like he throws the world further into chaos because yeah. people are like. What blew a hole into the moon? I heard it was Fash the Stampede. Yeah, there's like his negative legend, like like his uh, um, infamy. Yeah, his infamy grows, and it's you know makes society even more gripped with fear. Like it, right. it makes them that much more unable to kind of move past and look to the future because it kind of feels like there's just this disaster running through, and we might be next. Yeah, I don't I don't care who you are. If you're trying to be a mes- messianic figure and you blow a hole in the moon, people are are not going to feel very comfortable. <laughs> They're not going to be uh, uh, welcoming to you. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that, that's the tragedy being the fall from grace, and then specifically, like when he when he tries to bring justice, you know, to be the hero, and he's just not there yet. Yeah, uh, totally falls apart. And then the sacrifice at the end is he has to sacrifice uh, sort of he, he has to he has to sacrifice his current understanding of Rem, mm-hmm. like what what he thought she was, you know, which was, yeah. you know, this uh, because he's a kid at the time. He doesn't see the fact that, you know, she's some girl in like her mid 20s, you mm-hmm. know, who's just like his teacher. He's deified her to be like every word she says 
is like I have to I have to stick to that completely and there's no room for nuance. Right. Uh he's sort of finding for her memory and he's trying to bring knives to justice because knives isn't doing what Rem said to do. But then yeah, he kind of has to sacrifice that. He has to sacrifice what's been keeping him going. Yeah. And you know, he has to kind of sacrifice his position as a voluntary scapegoat, which was what he thought his or what he wanted his purpose to be. He has to let that go, which I mean, there's uh, a lot of fear that goes along with um, giving up what you thought your purpose was, because it's like, well, now I'm aimless, you know, yep. and it, 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 plenty of stuff is, you know, there's plenty of things you can say and plenty of things you can look to to make that exciting where it's like, well, who knows what my future can be? You know, I can be anything now. And, you know, the, yeah. the, ticket, the, the, the future. ticket to the future is open. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a positive way of looking at it. But that's also uh, existentially horrifying. Oh, yeah. To, to think that you don't know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. And starting from starting from square one on anything is yeah. just like daunting. Uh, I think just my personality type, like generally being more extroverted and stuff. I automatically have a positive reaction to talking about the future, especially when it's undecided. But there are some mm-hmm. people like, like particular, like really neurotic people mm-hmm. where it's like, if I don't, if I can't take solace in the fact that I know where this is ending up, there is no solace. <laughs> there is no sleeping yeah. at night. And you know, I've gone through periods of that too, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I guess I just want to illustrate uh, uh, the open-ended future there is something you're sacrificing. You're definitely sacrificing stability to even entertain that. And right. that's what he has to do at the end. You know, he has to sacrifice the 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 armor that he's been wearing this whole time, being the red and, coat. You know, there's almost like a there's there's a this is gonna sound really weird, but there's a comfort in that uh that flogging pretty much you know, oh, yes. himself oh, God. on the back. Dude, self flagellating is comfort food. Like mm-hmm. people, ugh, there's so We've many talked about this before too. Yeah. There, there's a lot of, um, immature adults, especially around our age, like, you know, uh, college age and slightly older people mm-hmm. who have decided I'm going to save the world by being miserable. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, and of course that's not what they think they're doing, but it's basically that, that is in practice what they end up doing. It's like, yeah. uh, I'm going to, make myself the enemy you know everyone wants to be the dark knight <laughs> you know uh yeah. i they don't want to be the hero that people want they want to be the hero they deserve but um <laughs> yeah it's it if you don't actually know what you're doing it's a horrible system so like uh yeah. knives kind of figures out what you know he he, he his he decides what his future is going to be in the manga where it's like, yeah. this is going to be the thing that I bring to the people. But at the end of the anime, Vash, essentially the conclusion he comes to is this is not my conclusion. Yeah. Whereas Wolfwood figures out what his was. Hmm. You know, he says he didn't want to die like this. Of course, you know, it, it's, it is an untimely death. Yes, but as all violent ones are, right? <laughs> uh, but but there's kind of a um, 
a satisfaction that he has at the end because it's like he kind of he finally he finally got it at the end and that was yeah. uh sort of what was that was his life's journey was was getting it because he was clearly trying like he talks yeah. about you know he started his own orphanage and he's he's trying to do all the right stuff he's trying to help the kids right <laughs> trying to help the children think of the children is what he was doing yeah and it, you know as good as that is he he hasn't gotten it and as a result there's only so much that there's only so much that he can help with uh and then at the end which we talked about this with his legacy when he finally gets it and he repents it's kind of like now his memory is going to do nothing but help people from then on yeah and you know uh vash able to use his cross in the fight kind of makes it to where well now the world's saved because wolfwood got it in the end yeah. Which I think is basically the whole message that's like essentially what you're supposed to get from the meaning of life. It's like, well, <laughs> as long as you keep trying, maybe you'll get it and then you'll leave the world better than you found it. Just try harder next time, as Wolfwood said. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like when he talks about if I'm reincarnated, <laughs> I'd like to live. Or I'd like to have a life where things were easier. <laughs> which is like kind of a uh, kind of like man you sure made this hard didn't you that's yeah, good and what what was going to be our fourth pillar being so that you needed other people is is cooperation as opposed to coercion yeah cooperation versus coercion well i mean you know knives obviously ruling by fear and force mm-hmm. and coercion all, all of his stuff is coercion but I, I, mean, I would like, like to. I, he literally had like, or, well, he had the little Diablo under him, El Legata, like, like, gosh, Legato, Legato. that yeah. um, that friggin' mind controlled. Yeah, and uh, just the fact that Satan was willing to be <clears throat> knives lackey, because yeah. he, you know, it's kind of like, well. This will cause way more damage if I just do whatever this guy says. Because not only will I be kind of running things, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, Knives is going to do way more damage if he thinks he has these people working for him. Yeah. You know, he's, he sees himself as kind of a, a usurper king. He's like, I'm going to do away with humanity and everything will be great then. Yeah. Uh, and Like when... I mean, he he made that explicit when when he was like, um, when he was like, we're we're gonna do what Rem said, you know, we're gonna make this our new Eden for just you and me. Yeah, and it's like we're gonna get rid of all the spiders so the butterflies can live. And he didn't see the spider as much as a predator; he saw it as a parasite, which I thought was really interesting, because like you would think that he would see. You know, humanity as the butterfly because they're weak. But yeah, but but he saw the spider as weak because he could kill it. And so he crushed it. But yeah, but but the spider was the was the one in power in that moment. Yeah, it it had captured the uh, butterfly, which I mean, you know, the plants you if he's seeing it that way, he's seeing the plants as they have been captured by humans. Mm -hmm. There was, mm. you know, there was no suggestion that maybe they're doing this for the good of humanity. 
which I think the message from the manga would then be the fact that Knives becomes a plant willingly. You can maybe assume that at least, you know, he's kind of accepting he was wrong mm-hmm. and that, you know, the plants would also have free will and also decide that they're going to help uh, the help humanity. Yeah. Uh, and then the fact that Vash is able to fix the plants by appealing to them and like trying to help heal them. You know, it's not like the plants are trying to escape, at least not the ones that we've seen. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, cooperation versus coercion. I'd like to revisit something I said in a previous episode in mm-hmm. Breakers where I was thinking that maybe uh, there's something else about Trigon that's different from uh, the other uh, stuff in Belt, the other Belt shows. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, there at the end, it kind of reaffirms that Vash can't just be, he can't be the scapegoat. He needs help. He can't do it all. And, you know, I mean, like, yeah, he literally used Wolfwood. Yeah, I he mean. needed Wolfwood's help and he kind of needed something to come back to mm-hmm. being Merrill. Uh, and I mean, maybe he doesn't say it explicitly, but from her point of view, he's coming back to her. Mm hmm. You wouldn't keep a good woman like me waiting. Uh, yes. Oh, that's a good line. But uh, back to the, like the the spider and uh, butterfly metaphor. Vash had it wrong as a kid, and he continued continued having it ha- having it wrong until the end, where he's like, "I want both the butterfly and the spider to live. Mm-hmm. You want the predator and the prey to live, and it's like you get one, <laughs> and it's not up to you." Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, in the case of the plants, it wasn't that easy. It was kind of like, it, it isn't to the detriment of the plants to help humanity. Uh, so, so like, it, it's not as easily as boiling it down to that, but that metaphor does sum up what Vash gets wrong before, yeah. you know, he's able to, to get rid of the, the total nuance free quotes that he's hanging on to from Ram. Where it's like, well, you, you can't save both the spider and the butterfly. The spider needs to eat the butterfly. Yeah. Or the butterfly has to escape and the spider starves in order for the butterfly to survive. Right. Uh, that being said, uh, neither butterflies nor spiders have gone extinct lately. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> We're working on it. If they do, probably not going to be their fault, but... <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh. Yeah, it's kind of it was just like his naive worldview where he's like, well, I want both to live. And it's like, this is a specific situation where that cannot happen. One of them has to die, which is why I think it was a good uh, a good way of kind of setting up knives as the person who, at least to this extent, knows better than Vash. And that's why he's able to hold it over him. Yeah. And so he sees himself as the thing that will naturally have to consume the other. Yeah, he he's like, "Well, I'm strong enough, so I'm going to stop the spiders." Mm-hmm. I'm going to get rid of the spiders. Uh but like I said, he doesn't quite see them as predators as much as parasites. Yeah. He sees them as um getting in the way of the butterflies flourishing. Uh but yeah, uh, I, th- I think in the end, the message is not that 
Vash has to face this alone because he doesn't face it alone. So yeah. I was totally wrong about that. And I'm kind of happy because uh, I like that message that it arrives at better. And uh, it more comfortably fits into the genre of belt. Yeah. Where, so, you know, to save your brother, you're going to have to kick his ass. Uh, don't kill yeah. him. That doesn't help anyone. <laughs> no, just shoot him through the shoulders and the legs. Right. Well, assuming he has a Wolverine-like healing factor. But yeah, <laughs> that that's where you can be a little rougher on him. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, use actual guns in the fight with your brother. Don't actually do that. That's not an endorsement. I love how on Funimation, the thumbnail for the last episode is just Vash and Knives pointing their guns at each other's faces. And I'm like, that yep, was... this is the finale. That was a... I love that whole fight. Dude, that fight's choreography and direction was fantastic. It was mm-hmm. so good. Like, it's not like they have... Okay, they do have the thing where, like, the power levels are getting a little out of control with both of them, you know, having their, like, angel gun duel. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Knives gets the double. But, like, just the choreography of the fight when they were just, you know, fighting with the pistols... Is super standing good. right in front of each other, and like they popped the guns open, grabbed one bullet, and shoved it back in, and then yeah. like the Russian Ooh. roulette, or or <coughs> when the guns were fully loaded and they were pointing it at each other, but they reached out and grabbed the the um the chamber to keep it from rotating. Right, good, <laughs> so, so cool. Good. <laughs> yeah, I, I was getting John Wick vibes with all the like the oh, reload yeah. stuff. Oh, which, you know, this this predates John Wick. So, (laughs) so John Wick's getting those Trigun vibes, vibes. that one scene from Trigun, because every other (laughs) fight he'd had up to that point, he didn't need to fire very many bullets to win. Mm -hmm. But then it's like when he's kind of evenly matched with knives. uh, Yeah, it's um, way more interesting. Yeah. And I'd mentioned Devil May Cry again. It's kind of the difference between Dante fighting the goons versus Dante fighting Virgil. It's like, oh yeah, right. this is way more exciting. Yeah. It was good. Alright, well I... Uh, yeah, you gotta go. I forgot about that. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta go, but um, does it set your soul ablaze? Oh lord. I think it not only sets my soul ablaze, I think it goes beyond that. Ooh. It, it's like... Ooh. This this was a situation where when I finished it and, uh, like, walked outside, everything was just prettier. Mm. It was like, the world mm. is a better place after having watched Trigun. You it also, might be because you're watching a desert for 26 episodes. That is a good point. <laughs> nice bit of green out there. <laughs> Makes you appreciate it. But I think, yeah. uh, I think Yasuhiro Naitao did a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they say uh, S- Superman does good. You do well. Yasuhiro Naitao did a good when he made Trigon. Mm. Yes, it sets my he also soul did a- ablaze. <laughs> he also did a good when he came up with the name Rocket Billy Red Cadillac <laughs> for Gungrave Overdose. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, he does a lot of good. <laughs> Let us never forget Rocket Billy Red Cadillac. <laughs> the best name of all time. <laughs> But yeah, uh, that's uh, everything I got to say. Sets my soul ablaze and then some. I think yep. not only is Trigun one of the, the pillars, or not pillars, God, one of the kind of um, uh, sitting on one of the thrones of Belt. You know, it's, it's on the Jedi Council. 
for belt. It, no, it just it reminds me of that uh, the eye catcher from Gren Lagan where Ooh, it has three Simone Kamina and <laughs> Keaton sitting yeah. on the uh, thrones. Mm, I'm getting mm. chills. Uh, not only that, <laughs> but I think just it, it, anime in general, Trigun's got to be near the top. Yeah, and it's, it's kind weird. of it's kind of the 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 other answer to Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the uh, the alternate take, you know, the different direction you could take in the end. So yeah, mm. it's good stuff. I can't complain. God, it was so yeah. good. It was so much better than I remembered it. So uh, yeah, yeah it can't recommend can't recommend it enough. And you know, on uh, multiple watches, it seems to get better. Yes, most definitely, <laughs> especially if those watches are eleven euro apart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you watch Badlands Rumble? Uh, not for this, uh, not for this recording. I watched it again, and I think it's funny how it, uh, came out ten years after, uh, Trigun finished. Yeah, that was wild. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> you look at how much the animation changed, uh, and... Also, like, none of the voice actors, except for Johnny Ong Bosch, are the same. Yeah, and here's the thing, I looked into that. I'm only upset about Meryl, because Meryl, mm. her voice actress is still working to this day. So I'm like, why didn't you get Meryl back? But for basically everyone else, they had retired by the time 2006 came around. Remember, uh, Johnny was the, the fresh young early twenties lad when he did Trigun. That's true. That's true. So 10 years later, you know, he's still going strong with all that youth. And, um, at least the lady who voiced Millie. Yeah. I mean, she was done. Way before that hmm. movie came out. <laughs> Dang. Uh, but yeah, okay, well, where's that Meryl? makes me feel a little bit better about it. Yeah, but Meryl, that... that... Mm. <laughs> yeah, frustrate. Anyway, yeah, can't recommend it enough. Uh, and yeah. next time, we'll get back to our, our weekly shows. But uh, man, we needed this. Mm. Especially after... Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about it, don't worry about it. Don't, don't <laughs> let it, don't let it, don't let it get you down. <laughs> Do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Perfect place to end it. <laughs>